Welcome to the brand new political podcast, Let's Talk Politics, hosted by Bailey Nash Gardner and Emilio Ray. This podcast is for people who are interested in the news of the day and want to dive in deeper with us. Hello and welcome back to the Let's Talk Politics podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Nash Gardner. And I'm your co-host, Emilio Ray. Lovely. Second time, perfect. <laughs> Second so, time's the charm. Yes. Um, so we've got about six topics that we want to talk about today. Some of them um, are from uh, last week, a few of them are from this week and stuff. Uh, but the first one I think is probably most recent is COP26. <laughs> um, you know, uh, some people believe it's been a good thing. Others um, have basically said that it's pretty much been a waste of time. Uh, it's a bunch of hypocrites basically gathering together. They took their private jets, their cars, go talk about climate change and lecture working people on what they should be doing, but not doing anything about it themselves. So, um, Emilio, what have been your thoughts then? I'm definitely on the latter of what you just said. I think it's um, it's it's almost like a comedy show, but except the, the the only joke is themselves. So I find it very um, hypocritical of how they've done this. I mean, these are the people that were saying, "Oh, we can do everything by Zoom." Come on, guys, save the planet! And yet they've all flown in on these expensive private jets. They've all used cars and trains, everything to get there. But then they tell all of us, the plebs, you know, oh, you, you've got us, um, you know, what, what did I hear recently? Something about meat. They're actually now lobbying to try and stop us eating meat. Um, you know, they, they tell us not to use planes, then use planes. I just think, I think it has failed. I think Boris Johnson, as a result of this sort of climate I think he's obsessed with it. That's how he comes across. And I think actual everyday Tory voters, particularly new Tory voters, sort of near me in the Northwest, most of us don't really, I wouldn't say we don't care about the climate, but there's a lot of stuff happening in our lives that is a lot more important than that. And I just think it it's just hypocritical of them to to basically they they're demanding you know it's not we we have no choice because they're in power these people they control sort of many of these companies and they're demanding things of the working class people which they know themselves they don't have to follow because they are the rule makers and that is i'm just fed up with it now i don't know about you but I just think it's it's a, it's becoming a, a joke. Yeah, I think this is probably where we're from sort of different areas. So for me, obviously I'm in the southeast and you're up in the north uh, west. Um, and so for me, I actually think COP26 is quite good. Um, I'm quite supportive and it probably shows that I'm a bit more uh, sort of, I'm more to the left than you are. Uh, yeah, definitely. On the left. Um, I think it sort of shows actually, um, you know, we're getting on with the job trying to stop the climate emergency. However, you know, I'm quite supportive of 
most of the government's environmental policies. However, my one issue that I do have is that, um, you know, Boris could have made a better example by um, taking one of the government's electric cars um, that I think they were talking about a few weeks ago and took that there uh, rather than, you know, private jet. However, I recognise actually, you know, he doesn't have much time. Planes are easier to use. Um, but, and for the uh, other world leaders, obviously, I think planes are pretty much the only way they would be able to get here, um, you know, quickly. I don't understand why they need to get here, though. The, 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 this sort of alarmist language is, is how I see it. So the climate crisis, you know, 10 years to save the planet, all this sort of stuff, I think is very alarmist. We've actually seen now they've done studies and pe young people like ourselves somehow get climate anxiety now. Uh, I, do, I, I mean, what is I mean, that? Yeah, I'm not too sure what that is. And I don't really think I understand it at all. Um, I can understand why young people are worried. It is sort of something, climate change is sort of something that dominates the news. It is quite a negative topic. You know, we are pretty much told nobody's doing anything. We're all going to die. Whereas personally, the in my opinion, the UK is leading the world in climate change. Exactly. I think, I think it's something like we make up uh, one percent um, of uh, carbon emissions. I think it's just a touch less. I mean, it, it what I don't understand is why are we bending over backwards to do everything that we possibly can? You know, we all of this green stuff. When they go ahead with it, it's just going to cost the taxpayers more money. That there's no let's not beat around the bush. That is what will happen because it's going to cost a lot of money. The government need the money, so they'll tax everyone else. It's not as simple as some of the climate people think. Oh well, we'll just get all the rich businesses to pay for it. That that it's not going to happen. And I think you know, like you just rightly pointed out, you know, it's about one percent that we make. What? Why are we bending over backwards to to even? sort of appease that it sort of seems to me like Boris is just trying to sort of show off to all of his uh, mates you know oh look at me look at my country we're you know we're doing this but would it would it make a global difference if everyone in the United Kingdom tomorrow was given an electric car and all the petrol ones were, were just destroyed it wouldn't make a difference on the global scale it just wouldn't I think this is probably where the UK strategy has now got to somewhat change. Rather than just focusing at home, I think Boris, and this is sort of why I think COP26 could be quite good, is Boris should be rallying around, getting others to say, well, look what we're doing here in the UK. Other countries can be doing um, this sort of stuff, which will actually be better because the UK can't do it alone. It needs, you know, America, China, um, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, you know, the Western world, as well as actually um, other countries to sort of be doing the, their utmost to protect the climate, to bring down um, CO2 levels. And I just think it's quite difficult for Boris because obviously there's only so much he can do at home. And you know what? He's always going to be criticised saying that he's not doing enough. 
and then he will also be criticised for saying he's doing too much. So, uh, I mean, I'm not sure he, can, he can really win on this situation. I think it's sort of something that he's probably just got used to. And so he's just getting on with what he feels is right. I think he's fighting a losing battle at the minute. I think this sort of stuff goes over well with sort of the more left-wing people who most likely won't vote Conservative anyway. And all what he's really doing is actually alienating a lot of his new voters. And you know, China didn't even bother to show up. Russia, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't think Brazil attended, um, although I'm not quite sure of that. But the, the main people that are polluting the planet weren't there. He's preaching to the converted in a way. And I just think it's, um, I mean, I just think it's a waste of time. And I mean, I don't know if you saw Greta Thunberg's sort of celebrity arrival. That was peak cringe uh, from the get-go. I mean, she was saying you can stick your climate crisis up your, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I think the thing with Greta is, I don't think she realises actually these world leaders um, are probably the people that she wants to keep on side, and she's been what, used by them. I mean, what really does actually annoy me about her uh, was her speech where she just kept on saying blah blah blah. Yeah, yes. If I wanted to yeah. listen to that, I would have, um, you know, listened to a vampire, not to some <laughs> little girl. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure she is very influential. Uh, she probably is to younger people, but to world leaders, unless they're sort of on the left, she's not really going to get on well with them. Yeah, uh, I think she's more of sort of a mascot in a way. What what some companies will do is sort of maybe highlight that they're working with her or alongside you got for extra sort of brownie points. But I think the whole climate thing is it's toxic now. You can't really. I don't feel as though people can say things about it because you still get called a climate change um, sort of denier. I've I've had that a lot. Um, I, it just seems I, 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 maybe I'm too much of a traditional conservative, um, but I just want a world where we've got less taxes, you know, and this whole green agenda is going to tax the people. There's no other way to achieve it by doing that. Now, I don't want a world where there's 3D printed, you know what they talk, 3D printed meat, fake meat. Yeah, all this right, rampant veganism. People, people are now turning their dogs vegan. That is surely animal abuse because dogs need uh, meat and whatnot. And they're now talking about methane reduction. Uh, that's from cows as well. So all what they beat around the bush, they, they say, oh, methane, methane. Um, that just means less cows, which is less meat. They're trying to turn us all into sort of vegan vegetarians to save the planet. And I don't want to do all that. No, and there's that. many people that don't. And we're not getting listened to by the people that we elected. We'd never elected a Green Party. And it feels to a lot of people in the Conservative Party that it's becoming more and more of a Green Party. That's how I feel. I mean, I personally do think the Conservative Party is sort of becoming a bit like New Labour. Yeah. Uh, 
It is. <laughs> which I'm not, which I don't know whether it's a good or a bad thing. Um, in the sense of, well, to be fair, New Labour was very successful. I mean, it was the most successful form of a Labour government, you know, winning three election victories. I think that's um, quite good. And I think, to be fair, one of the reasons why Labour lost in 2010 was because um, Gordon Brown, you know, he'd sort of um, been in mainstream politics for years. And so, to be fair, his time was probably up, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I do think Boris, Rishi, you know, the top team are turning the Conservative Party into New Labour. Um, and I, I do think it may be wise to see where that direction goes, but I'm not sure if it's going to be so successful. I mean, I think, I think what you're saying is right. They seem to be going um, into that stance and that, <laughs> that's not why people voted for them in droves in 2019 you know have a new election with all this stuff in your manifesto and see how it goes along don't you know back well essentially in my eyes they're backtracking on what people voted them in for so we didn't vote for new labor yet we're getting all this new policies all this sort of stuff but we we never it wasn't really i think there was one page about sort of the, the um, eco-friendliness side of things and the saving the world sort of thing. There was one page in the manifesto and now it's sort of all they talk about. Make a new manifesto for the next election. Be straight with the people and let's see how, how many votes you, you get. Yeah. And then fair um, enough, if they, if they put that into the manifesto and, you know, they get another 80-seat majority, fair enough, that's what the people voted for. Let them continue i just won't if there was an election tomorrow i wouldn't be voting for them because the it's not the party that i i knew at the time a few years ago that's how i feel if there was an election tomorrow who would you vote for well it's an interesting question because i live uh, in oldham and there's two constituencies without getting into too much detail it's pretty much been labor forever except we had Winston Churchill <laughs> here. Um, but because of how it works, I wouldn't vote um, Conservative if there was an election tomorrow. But then again, I wouldn't not vote. So I'd probably end up just voting for reform because that's the only other sort of right-wing party, I guess. So it's not like it would make a difference if Labour are going to win here. <laughs> I do think that gives the Conservative Party an advantage a bit, is that yeah. they are sort of the only really right-wing party that sort of has the credentials to say, look, this is what we can do, uh, whereas the other, mm, yeah. It's, there's, there's not much of a split of a vote on the right as there is, you know, on the left you've got the Liberal, Lib Dems, Labour, Green Party, all sort of vying for the sort of the same kind of voter demographic. So I think the Conservatives are lucky in that regard. And obviously, first past the post, even if there was a new right wing party, they probably wouldn't win any seats the first few elections that they stood in anyway. So I think, I mean, it's it, the state of the political scene is dire right now if you ask me. You've got loads of 
people that vote Tory who say, well, if I don't vote Tory, Labour will get in. There's no incentive to vote. The only incentive is, well, if I vote, I'll stop Labour because they're worse. That's not that's not a fun thing to go and vote for, is it? It was actually only on Monday we were recording this on Wednesday and it'll probably be out on Friday uh, for anybody listening and wanting to know the schedule. Um, and on Monday, I was actually talking about, um, sort of in a class discussion about, is yeah. UK democracy in a crisis? Now, yeah. personally, I thought that was quite an extreme word. I wouldn't say we're in a crisis, mm. uh, but I don't think we're in a good state of affairs. Um, I'm not necessarily saying like we need electoral reform. I personally support the first past the post system. Um, you know, some people may say well, that's because you're conservative and it's pretty much the only way how you win seats. But I just don't think PR and that sort of stuff works. Um, I think it creates unstable governments. Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, it's got, it's like everything, it's got benefits, it's got um, disadvantages. But I, in a way, I would like to see PR introduced purely because it does technically make the thing make the election process more democratic yeah. but the good thing about first past the post would be is that the mp is tied down to that area so if you're just sort of divvying up seats between like 100 people it's they might not have that much of a connection to the to the place that they are chosen yeah. to represent us i'd not to mention the fact for all of us election nuts, if there's PR, you're going to be staying up for two, three days. I know. Straight, not just 12 hours or I, so. <laughs> my, the first time I'd actually watched a proper election was back in 2019. And I must say, I was quite tired by the end of it because I had yeah. um, sort of school the next day. And so uh, I don't know how I survived, really. Uh, and just one <laughs> second, my door has gone. Okay. Okay, not me. Okay. Um, what was we saying? About the you was uh, your first election you watched in twenty nineteen, and so obviously I was watching it, but yeah, I couldn't really do much the next day. I was quite tired, and I couldn't imagine you know doing that for a few days. Yeah, I think it would take all the fun out. I mean, when I watched the Donald Trump the second one, I did watch all of the first one. I had to skip college the next day. Don't do that, kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, I stayed up, watched it all, took the day off, but champagne you know um celebrated but the next one in 2020 it, the amount of time that it took to count all yeah. the votes and that is again there's only two main parties there so I mean, 2020 um we won i did stay up um for the first few hours yeah um Again, I had school, so yeah. And it's the time difference as well. When when all their votes start coming in, it's about three, four a.m. When well, there was no chance you have me the whole time. But uh, 
2020 was a very eventful political year uh, for America. And, um, yeah. I was going to say, as we're on the subject of America, I think we're seeing now sort of a real backlash against Joe Biden. His yeah. poll numbers have tanked. The Kamala Harris poll numbers tanked. Virginia just elected a Republican governor. Yeah, um, I believe Jersey, Glenn Youngking. Yeah, New Jersey are in the middle of a, a, a governor election and it's not been called yet, but it's looking like the Democrat will win. But this is this is a stronghold for the Democrats. Yet, yeah. it, you know, the race is so tight. I think that before there was about 15,000 votes that split mm -hmm. them. I mean, that might sound a lot to English people, but in America, there's sort of millions of people in each state. And I think the Democrats are actually going to lose a lot of seats in the 2022 midterms. I must say, Joe Biden seems to be having a much tougher time um, in terms of polling and stuff than actually Donald Trump did when he was in office. Um, and yet he got the most amount of votes. <laughs> but yeah. we, won't, we won't touch down on that because that is a whole new topic. But he does seem to be, I mean, it's his own side as well. I mean, at least the Republicans, most of them, I mean, you had the establishment ones, which, you know, didn't back Trump. There was a small handful of actual voters that just wouldn't vote for him, even though there were Republicans. But I think the Democrats, are, they, they turn in on him in big numbers and that that's yeah. not good for him. I, I personally don't really see Biden even wanting to stand um, again, which I think could be quite a positive thing. Um, I think personally, if maybe he stood on a one-term sort of platform, yeah, and you know, promise actually he's going to get stuff done, um, and then afterwards he'll allow his vice president um, to you know have a go at running. I think that could have been better, but personally, I don't see Joe Biden going again. I mean, to be fair, I do think he's a well, I don't want to say he's a bit too old because I feel like that's a bit ageist, but him personally, again, people comment on his mental state. I mean, I've never seen a record, so I don't really like to comment on his mental state. However, there are times that I see him talking and he's sort of flipping about, but I don't know if that's maybe because he's passionate, because I know some people, when they get passionate, they get flustered and then it gets everywhere, but who knows? I think I think he's meant it, being the president is arguably one of the most stressful jobs in the world. He didn't look that competent. I, I don't care if he's eighty, right? So long as he's so long as he knows what he's doing, he can speak sort of properly. Doesn't nap every five minutes. I mean, he was there sleeping at cop and sleepy Joe. I mean, it's a nickname that's stuck because it's got truth to it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. I definitely agree he won't do a second term. They, they won't allow him anyway. He would, I don't think he'd get the nomination. The The issue is who replaces him because he, I slate Joe Biden, but he's not as sort of left-wing as, as the others. So I'm just thinking if he goes, who, uh, that's probably, who, whoever replaces Joe Biden, if it's a more left-wing person, the Republican, the Republicans are in for a very easy ride, I would say. Do you think Donald Trump will stand in 2024? 
Yeah. I, I, I don't see any other reason except his age why he wouldn't. He's still the most popular. There's milli there's a, I mean, if you sort of look on the American news Facebook sort of comments and stuff, there there's millions of people that still believe that the election was stolen, all this sort of stuff. There's still people that really like Donald Trump. And I think he sort of owns yeah. the party in a way. So I, I don't see why he wouldn't. But... See, this is where I have an issue sort of with those sorts of Republicans at the moment. Because obviously back in, um, I'm trying to think when was he first sort of elected, 2016? Yeah, 2016. Yeah, so yeah. they, you know, when um, sort of... Uh, the D Democrats and people who were against Trump said, you know what, the election's been stolen, Russia's been involved, etc. When that sort of happened, you know, the Republicans were just like, no, you're just sore losers. But the Republicans seem to have done it to the Democrats, sort of. Not yes. Which I personally just think you cannot do. You just need to accept he lost the election. Personally, I think the only reason he lost the election was because I personally think COVID um, was that reason you know before that he had a good economy and as much as you know um i disagreed with him on uh issues um you know i'm i'm not gonna lie i did back hillary in 2016 <laughs> but, <Appalling>. <laughs> but that is personally because I saw her having, you know, the sort of experience that I would want a president to have. Um, for, you know, um, but again, I'm not an American, so. I like outsiders. I don't like people that have been corrupted by the system. Joe Biden has been. But, I don't, but sure, but I just think having that experience is good. Uh, it is in a way, but it's also not because when they've been in politics for all them many years i mean you you end up like joe biden now he's been there for what over 30 years now he's he was the vice president for eight years um now he's the president all this sort of talk of i'm gonna get things done he hasn't got anything done what is interesting can't even though, pass infrastructure bill which thank goodness it's not passing yet what I do think is interesting is many years ago, Donald Trump was interviewed, I want to say by Oprah, um, back when, do you know what, people didn't mind being associated with Trump because, you know, we wasn't in this woke world. Yeah. Um, which I find weird because many of these people who now hate him used to be quite close with him, for example, Oprah. Yeah. Um, and basically is he did state that i think she asked him would you ever run for president and he said um something along the lines of i would if i thought the people in power weren't doing good enough um and then obviously in the 2020 debates he told joe biden that the reason he stood is because of joe and uh sorry president biden and president obama yeah. which you know, it's weird to think maybe if they were never in power, we would never have had President Trump. Um, uh, that is, I mean, that's that's one way of looking at it. Maybe I think that is possibly true. But I think what what the American people understood was this wasn't a guy bogged down by the system. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't. He didn't care what people thought of him. You know, now some 
there's some modern politicians that watch every single word they say mm-hmm. and they become robots you look on the social media and it's just it's boring yeah. you know they're not they're not speak they're not speaking for anyone because they have no stance and they have no stance because they'll whatever stance they take will offend one set of people and just scared and i think they needed at the time sort of someone that could rebuild the economy which he did until um you know we had the problems from china um but i mean now look you've got the highest inflation in that the americans have seen that will be blamed of course on biden but not all his fault but they've got the new border crisis that's gonna that's gonna really affect biden once they start coming out of this covid some of the democratic states are doing mask mandates co no no jab no job all this sort of stuff and the 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 climate here regarding freedom is a lot different than in america yeah you tell an american you must get this or you will be fired (laughs) you're in for a a real shock whereas here it's their sort of rights come from like the belief that god gave everyone sort of rights that can never be taken away and that the government is there to to protect their rights whereas in sort of europe it was always the kind of belief that the rights were from the government yeah. and the government can and will take them away when they deem fit and I mean, i'm more of an american conservative i would say than than a traditional english conservative yeah, i think this is also where we differ because i'd say actually in America, it for me, it really depends on the candidate on either side. So, for example, in 2016, I backed Clinton. Um, in uh, who did you back in 2020? Uh, so in 2020, um, I backed Trump. Ah, right. So, so you changed. <laughs> well, and who well, theoretically? Who would, if Trump was to run against Kamala, yeah, who who would you back then? Um, it is quite difficult. Um, because she's a lot more left wing than than Biden. This is, I don't know what it is about women leading in politics, but for some weird reason, every time there is some sort of leadership thing about a woman. And I don't know what it is. I always seem to back the woman. I always seem to think, do you know what? You'll do a good job. And I, it's not that I think it's because they're a woman. It's just every time. So, for example, Theresa May, um, you will probably disagree with me on this. I know many I other think people. she was disastrous. But... Me, personally, I thought she did a great job as prime minister. Her only issue really was Brexit. And I think she would have made one of the greatest prime ministers, quite possibly, had Brexit, she had not had to deal with Brexit. But, um, you know, and for example, Margaret Thatcher, huge supporter of her. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, uh, what was it, 2019 Conservative Leadership Contest, I backed Andrew Leadsom, she was knocked out. Um, and then I'm trying to think who did I back after her. What about Pretty Patel? Did you? Patel, strong yeah. supporter of her. If her and Liz Truss both stood for the next Conservative leadership, I don't know if Patel would. I think Truss, she'd be wrong not to. Patel would lose 
um, purely because of the illegal sort of yeah. illegal landings. That would, her, screw, that would screw her over. If and Patel were to both run, I'd be really stuck on who to back. Um, because I mean, I, I can't even vote if there was a leadership contest tomorrow. See, to I could vote. I'm quite proud of the fact fact that now I can vote and sort of somewhat have a say in politics. Um, yeah, that that's that's true. That, but then again, you can what I could argue myself that I'm having my own by showing my sort of anger by cancelling my direct yeah, debit to them. That that is true. However I'm still, sorry, I'm, I'm still a member until December. It's just I've cancelled the direct debit sort of five pounds tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I could actually, um, but I think for now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not renewing, I'm not renewing it until I see sort of yeah. a, a change. So back to your question, sort of on Kamala, I want to say her, I hope I'm saying her name right, or Trump. It would really depend for me because obviously, surely, I'd, I'd want to see how Kamala does as vice president. I'd want to see sort of how hers and Joe's presidency goes, because I don't think you can really judge. But surely you would... Because today, the day that we're recording, um, it's Wednesday the 3rd of November, for those people listening, was, I believe, one year since um, Joe Biden was sort of, um, you know, voted in. And so I'd really want to wait and see. You know, maybe in a year or two's time, I'll be able to say, do you know what, I'd back Trump or I'd back Kamala, but... But surely their policies, I mean, it's not just them. It, See, it's not... weird for me that a sort of an English conservative would back an American, what many would say is a is a far left sort of figure. I, I don't understand. I, I get, I get it's a bit weird to me, but. I think this is where I'll. So it's where for me, when I also vote for a politician, I'm not. When I, well, I don't vote for them. So when I support a politician, I'm not necessarily looking for their policies, which I know is quite weird because most people would say, well, you have to agree with them. But to me, I think if I like your personality, I'm likely to support you. I mean, Trump was based um, more on the fact that he, I just believe he would do a better job than Biden. Um, yeah, yeah. And I backed him because and I'm going to admit it, it's selfish to say so, but he was better for the UK. Yeah, for, for sure. However, with... See, this this is where I'm... Yeah, this is where I probably don't... Shouldn't do it this way, but I'm also a personality type of guy. Yeah, um, yeah, I get that. I get that. does have a pretty good personality. I mean, you're, I see by your face there, you disagree, but... <laughs> no. I don't think she's got much of... Um, she's got one, but... I mean, yeah, come on. I, if you're against Trump, you're going to need a heck of a personality. Yeah, I, I don't know if I like Trump's personality. That, I, yeah, mean, I suppose it's 50-50. I, like, I do like his sort of businessy sort of sense about him. But his personality... There are things about it where I think, you know... Yeah... I'm not so sure. I think another reason why I backed Trump was because I quite like Melania. <laughs> not necessarily for that reason. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do actually think she was a brilliant first lady. I mean, 
I don't think she's actually done much from what I know. But, but I just, well, then again, I don't when think she was questioned over her husband, she made it, I think she made it clear a few times. She doesn't necessarily agree, but he is the president. So, you know, she just gets on with what she's got to do. She's not like Carrie's, um, Carrie Johnson can tell you that. Well, she is constantly involved. I, again, oh, Carrie Johnson, yeah. Um, I think she's got too much power. See, in my head, see, I don't know, because to be fair, right... The era of Boris, we all this, know it. This is what I... I think this is where, you know, how much power should sort of your partner have. She should have um, no power, theoretically, because the position... I know, but I think... A position. I think I'd need to get a psychologist on the podcast to sort of say, well, actually, how does our mind react? Because... We want to be judged positively, I say, by our partners. And so we try and please them. Um, Boris doesn't like saying no. We, we must remember that Boris Johnson is, he doesn't like saying no. I mean, I've read a book by Tom sort of Boer, a good, big, thick book about Boris Johnson. It's called, it's called Boris Johnson, The Gambler. Pardon? You have it next to you. Show me the yeah. Color. It might be a bit dusty, but there we go. Oh, you know what? I have actually read that book. This book will teach you everything you need to know about the man. And it was lent to me uh, actually by a local councillor. Um, and I, yeah, I do actually remember that book. I thought the name sounded familiar. Uh, yeah. I didn't want to see what the couple was like, just to confirm. But in, in the book, we see that Boris has a problem with saying no, specifically to women that is, you know... <laughs> screwing but, around with in a way but, see, I just mm, I don't know if it's maybe sort of the mind that means that people are more influenced by their partners um, I mean personally I don't think I mean if I was in a relationship I'd see it as well I'm the one who was elected here you know you can yeah, yeah. yourself you can share your views but ultimately I will make the decisions <laughs> It all depends on, on the person. Um, and I think Boris can be, Boris's ear can be bent to, all, to Carrie Johnson. I mean, the love triangle between Dominic Cummings, Carrie Johnson and Boris uh, was certainly... Well, he, he lost they, in the end. They all wanted, well, Carrie and Dominic were sort of arguing over Boris, which, yeah. you know, which... I think... Which if, his ear. I think Boris would have been better maybe not through covid but better in the long run keeping um cummings because See, he I knows agree. how to win he, uh, boris johnson's reputation uh, right now has fallen dramatically you can see it in pretty much all the polls um there was a new poll that just came out on the conservative home that's full of conservative members and sort of grassroots supporters and he's he's the second lowest ranked figure I but the thing is by his own members I mean the thing with Cummings is I probably if I was Boris I'd probably well actually he wouldn't have been able to foresee the problems but in hindsight I think what would have been good was to have Dominic Cummings come in help with the election maybe keep him on uh, because I believe Boris was elected in the De- no, he was elected in the December. I know that for a fact. And then I yeah. think it was the February he had a reshuffle. 
I probably would have told Dominic then, look, I really like it if you'd move on now, um, because I personally would like to get someone fresh in, and then possibly bringing him back for the 2024 election, um, because he's, he's quite good at that. I mean, or, I mean... He knows not, how to get things done. I'm not sure you. how this sort of works, but I probably... I probably would have asked him, in, and again, this is talking from hindsight, like nobody could foresee what happened. I probably would have offered him a, a position at CCHQ, helping on yeah, the elections. That, uh, but would he have accepted because he knows how these, he, he definitely understands the civil servants. He knows how sort of obstructive they can be. Mm. He was willing to sort of take it on. I don't think many others would, and that's sort of, why I liked him. I, I didn't care that he broke lockdown rules because I, I hated every single lockdown rule anyway. Wasn't a problem for me. Um, but I think that brought the end to Dominic Cummins. The, the, the amount of media attention See, from that. The thing about the lockdown it. rules is I feel like people think that is the reason why he went. I think and it was he, one think, of the major reasons. Mm, I'm not sure... I, mm. I'm not sure I'd say so. I think probably the major reason was he essentially lost power in Downing Street. Um, and I pretty much think that probably was the only reason. Because to be fair, uh, if I remember rightly, he did write a blog saying that he was planning to leave Downing Street at the end of that year anyway. Yeah. I could be wrong on that, but I think I'm right. Um, so to be fair, you know, it was prob he probably felt like it was time. The, the, the thing is, though, why I say that the lockdown did affect him is because it put a lot of pressure on the Conservatives because then they were, they were all seen as sort of hypocrites as well. Yeah. And that then turned other people against him or made them, made them less concerned if he left. Um, I think one of the things I didn't like, actually, about Dominic Cummings was because it, I... I personally think it was sort of, uh, and I think it was rumoured that he was the one who wanted uh, number 10 and number 11 to basically join together. You know, I think the way how Sajid uh, was essentially told you can only remain if our advisors, you know, sort of come together and you get rid of yours. I don't personally think that's right. But again, right now, I think, you know, Boris is probably thinking having Rishi as Chancellor has, you know, is a bit of a risk because Rishi yeah. um, is quite a popular candidate to become the next um, PM. Um, yeah. And leader. I he's, I think, as his position as Chancellor has helped him a lot. Because brand out to help out. Yeah, this year, Rishi, yeah. And I think without that, I don't think he would have been able to rise to where he is now because he's done like furlough, all this. I mean, essentially, it's just giving out free money. He's not going to like that, except the handful of staunch sort of economic people that are like, oh, you know, it's going to cause a problem in the long run, which we know, but people ignore because they're living in the moment usually anyway. And I don't that could get us on to the budget because I wasn't bothered about the budget, to be honest. It was, to me, it wasn't fantastic, but I heard some MPs say. 
it didn't it's, sound that conservative in a way. See, I talking of it not being conservative, I read um, an article in the Telegraph, I think it was, yeah. and it said that um, Brownite, this Brownite conservative government, um, so referring to obviously the policies of Gordon Brown, yeah. Uh, you know, is sort of not going to be successful because, again, I think it links back to the points that you were making. People didn't vote for a, you know, a sort of centrist Labour government. They voted for a centre-right government. Um, but to be fair, I'm not really sure how well Sunak would do in a leadership election. I think he'd get to the final two, but I don't know if he'd win it. Yeah, I mean, in terms of how we, I think he could, there's no doubt that he could pull it off. His online presence is, it's great. It's probably one of the best. I think it's one of the most cleanest looking sort of one. It looks very sort of, all of his social medias are very well run. I know it's not him that does it. It's someone else. But it, I think that would help him win a leadership because it would look all cohesive what not yeah that's sort of the but the the thing is about that is he looks a bit sterile in, in some regards whereas boris you know you see him he's got a brick wall behind him he's got a dog down there and he's got a like england football top on i mean that appeals to a lot more working class people than you know rishi would do yeah uh, is how i would see it be fair, I think the one candidate to look out for in the next leadership election will be Liz Truss. Her being moved to the Foreign Office has pretty much, I think, put her in the top two candidates to be the next leader. And she, yeah, and she's really popular right now. A uh, lot of she did loads of trade stuff uh, before that. I think uh, her popularity I mean, most of them... amongst members, sorry, is 85.5%. That's her approval thing, right? Popularity was that, sorry? Yes, I think so, yeah. Yeah, in that conservative home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think she well, she, she would be the most popular one then. I don't think there was one on top right. that would beat um, her in, in that poll anyway. But um, she did, because of the sort of Brexit influx of voters and Brexit members of the Tory party, people that just signed up because of Brexit, when they see and hear that she's done a trade deal with this country, done this with that country, done that, it goes down very well because, you know, a lot of us, pretty much everyone in the party should, well, not should, but pretty much everyone that is a Conservative is patriotic, so that it goes down well, well. I think it's important to remember she once was... A Lib Dem. I didn't know that. And from what I've heard, and I, and I mean, I've never seen it myself, but she did once give an anti-monarchy speech. Really? I mean, I'm not sure how true that is. I, I, I came from a Lib Dem. It wouldn't surprise me because, if I remember correctly, wasn't she a Remainer? She, she was, was a, a Remainer, yeah. She was a Remainer. And there's However, a I would say she was probably one of the best Secretary of States helping with Brexit. Yeah, yeah, I think she... So, I mean, mean, you know, maybe... She was one of the ones that just accepted, look, my side loss, I'm going to do what's 
what the people elected me for, you wow. know. So I think the the Lib Dems are done. Uh, I don't see them ever coming back. You, you've got the leader making cringy videos of him smacking down a, a wall, <laughs> a blue wall with an orange hammer. Like oh, it's, God, it's yeah. so amateurish. It's it, it's terrible. It's I think terrible. he was trying to copy Boris, but you know Boris did. Him yeah, when he took the bulldozer. Yeah, yeah, and the, he, yeah, he, I mean, he just looked terrible doing it, it just, uh, like that, and the wall collapsed. Yeah, yeah. interesting to note on that video as well. Um, everyone there is wearing face masks except him. Um, thought that was interesting because he's one of the people that makes the rules because he's an MP, so he gets to vote on it. So he must have even, I think he did vote. Um, I'm not sure how the Lib Dems voted. I think they were against vaccine passports because, I mean, they should be because they're supposedly liberals, but, you know, mm. I just thought that was an interesting point. Uh, I think me. Uh, <laughs> one of the other important topics to mention, um, actually, in today's sort of podcast episode, because obviously Sir David Amos and obviously, um, unfortunately, his life was taken. Yeah. Uh, actually, when he was carrying out duties as an MP, like he was at constituency surgery. And I think an important question to come from this, and I did conduct a Twitter poll. Oh yeah. Uh, which I'm trying to find is, should MPs be entitled to taxpayer funded security? Um, I, it all depends on who it is. Let's be honest, the, the amount of money MPs get is a lot. That would add more. You know, no. there's some MPs, sorry. There's some MPs that nobody has really heard of except the people that sort of live there. There's not that much of a threat to, to every single one of them. So no, but yes is, is what I would say. Yes, because it depends on who it is. So these 44 people on Twitter, because I don't think I had it out for long, it may have been a couple of hours or something. Yeah. Um, out of those, we had 72.7% in favour Really? So high? 18.2% <laughs> saying a full-on no, and 9.1% saying actually it depends. Yeah, I think it, it does depend because I can't fully say no, none of them should have it, but I can't say fully yes, everyone should have it. It all depends on who it is. And one of the comments on that poll, <laughs> and I've lost, oh, no, it's there, was... For one of the reasonings for it depends is from Lenny Bright um, and he said there needs to be a balance between maintaining the elected representative security while still maintaining uh, the access people in the, ac the access people I mean, so, so I think still maintaining contact yeah I mean it's what I do not agree with which is ridiculous is some MPs I forgot who I forgot forgot who it is but they were kind of arguing in favor of just not doing any surgeries and just doing it all on zoom See, I think the older voters needs like to, they're not all on zoom they don't I think have this phones. is possibly a thing that may be brought in that actually you will now meet your MP over zoom I think there may be exceptions you know but where it's you'll not be the However, I would just like to remind everybody, you can even go to the lobby of the House of Commons to go and meet your MP. They have to come down, or they have to send down a member of their staff. 
and then they'll always book you in for an appointment. I never knew that. Learn something new every day on this podcast. I know. Fact of the day. Um, yeah. But I, so long as they do the surgeries as well as Zoom, I'm fine with that. It's just, I don't agree with they should never sort of come out of the house and only do everything by Zoom um, kind of thing. I don't agree with that. They, they're elected to serve the people. You've got to come out and meet the people. Well, as simple as that. I learned today is that he's a member of parliament who has a, it's either a fear or anxiety, I can't remember what it's called, of being outside. Yeah, I, I, saw, I, I heard about that, actually. I mean, I would just hate to have that sort of illness. Simon <laughs> Clark. It's, I, I couldn't live with, with that. I, I need to, I mean, I hated lockdown because it was, you couldn't go anywhere except, well, I mean, you could go places. But I mean, in terms of like restaurants and, and all the sort of social stuff, I mean, just walking by yourself is not social. No. It, it gets a bit boring, you know, when, you, well, when you've been furloughed for three months and you're like, what, what the hell do I do now? Government did then allow you to have a partner, you know, a walking partner. <laughs> Thank you, gracious overlords, for nice, allowing me. Nice. <clears throat> but this is that, again, I just don't like how much power. We, we've seen the government actually has we we kind of knew that they had a lot of power but we didn't know the extent i mean they literally you know were controlling your life that's how i see it um and um if someone would have told me two years ago the government can mandate you to stay at home the government's going to shut all the shops, except obviously the mega corporation shops. I would have said that's illegal. They can't do that. And they did. And no, not many people resisted, which I, think, I found weird. See, my, my, the first lockdown. First lockdown, I agreed with. Oh, I'll, see, I'll state that. I, I didn't agree with it fully. I thought not letting children go into school. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, and I'm not going to lie, the way how I've heard most schools rolled out the online learning, as much as they would probably say they did their best, I probably agree, you did do your best. I personally think it was a shambles. I think every school should have delivered um, every single English and maths lesson. And if students couldn't attend, obviously that's fine. Obviously some students didn't have access to devices. Yeah. Some students would have found lockdown quite difficult, and so online learning would have been a struggle. But I think, you know, the English, maths, science, you know, they should have been offered. Uh, I don't, yeah, so. But personally, I would have allowed children to still go into school. But yeah, there was definitely parts of the first lockdown that I just didn't know why. But I thought, I thought to myself, you know what, it's only three weeks to flatten the curve. I won't really have to go into work, you know, it'll be shit, it'll be great. I mean, yeah. I, in one, that, that's how I saw it in one side. The other side was like, what the hell? They, you know, I'm, I can't go to Spoons, you know, uh, why are they doing this over this thing? Um, but ever since that first lockdown, when they lied to me and they said three weeks to flatten the curve, I, I never agreed with anything else. And then I think in the first lockdown, we didn't have masks, I, I don't believe. No, that didn't Mask. begin until July the 4th. 
Yeah, masks I, I completely disagreed with, as did Sir David Amos. Um, he was actually quite against a lot of this authoritarian government lockdown stuff, um, which I found af after he obviously was murdered, not passed away like Sadiq Khan said. And I think he needs to retract that comment. He didn't pass away. Sir David Amos didn't pass away. And to suggest, to, to say, I'm not sure if you saw his tweet, but he does say, Sir David Amos has sadly passed away. He what, didn't pass away. He was murdered in a church. I, I think, and it's completely hypocritical because look, look at how he reacted when George Floyd was murdered. You know, it doesn't, it baffles me. But that's, again, something for a different day. But lockdowns, I, I, I hate them. I, I hate all this government control. I, I will not be complying with another lockdown. I, I, I will admit that I didn't comply with pretty much all of them. Why? Why? Live on the podcast, he broke the law. Well, not that the police will even bother to arrest him because they, I don't think they really cared. Um, of course they don't. The people that was making the rules were, were doing it. So the guy who helped make the rules broke it to get some little um, bedtime activity. So um, he, he was one of the scientists that said that we all should do it. You know, if you don't do it, you're going to sort of spread it and kill people. Silent spreader. It's become this whole thing has become toxic because this is the first time in history that I know of where it's, you have to protect other people. That might sound weird, but you have your health. That, that's it. You don't have sort of all this other stuff like protect all, all them people. You know, it's about protecting yourself um, in, in my eyes. Um. Another topic that we had uh, to discuss was the old Bexley by-election. Oh, yeah. Um, Is that our... I assume that's the last topic of... of yeah. yeah. Um, sure. And so, obviously, the Conservatives um, have selected uh, Louis French as their candidate. Um, current, I believe he's currently a councillor. Um, he stood in the 2019 election for Eltham. Um, is that nearby, or, or has he been shipped in? Well, he's from the southeast. Um, Isn't the thing in London, I believe? Some, is it? A, yeah, so it's not that far. Right. So he did stand in Eltham. Is in the southeast of London. So right, right, okay. I thought. I mean, in the election of 2019, the Tories shipped in a Londoner to one of our wards, which <laughs> didn't go down very well, as you can imagine, you know, shipping someone from London up to the north, never, never a good idea, really. But, but I mean, I hope he does well. Obviously, I am a Tory, yeah. so... I, I wouldn't want it going to Labour, that's for sure. But interestingly, Richard Tice, leader of reform, is uh, standing there. Yeah. That will, that's going to be a weird one because he's going to face opposition from Labour, I imagine, and yeah. the Tories. Yeah, I don't think 
reform really have a chance, if I'm honest? No, uh, I, I think I, I've met Richard in um, real life. I think he's a, you know, a top-notch person. I hope he wins. I, I hope the seat doesn't go to Labour. But do you know what's annoying is how some people react when, say, a Brexit party person stands in the ward. They're like, oh, you're going to split the vote. You're gonna do, you're gonna do this. What well, they're entitled <laughs> to stand. You, you can't bully people into sort. The Conservatives don't own the right wing vote. <laughs> they have to work for it, and it's yes. it's uh, a bit silly when people when I hear people say things like that because everyone's got the right to stand so long as you meet the criteria and whatnot. So best of luck to both of them, I guess. Yeah. Um... I mean, um, let me try and actually get last times, um, what was it called, a results? Yeah, I think it, it's been Tory, I think, for pretty yeah, much. I, I do it. think so. Um, I think that was obviously James, James's speech, um, which obviously very sadly, um, he lost his life to cancer. Um, Actually, I think it was only like a day or two before Sir David Amos, actually. Really? Very sad. Yeah, 64.5% Conservative. Pretty much safe seat. 2019, up from 4.4. Well, up 4.4. But then again, that might do well for reform because it's got a lot of right, centre-right voters there, so you never... You never know how anything's going to go in politics, really. Yeah. Well, I don't think I, he'll win, though, to be honest. I, I don't I wish all the candidates the very best. Um, you know, even the Labour, Lib Dem, <laughs> they'll need they'll need more luck. <laughs> Whatever candidates there are, wish them all the best. Um, hopefully there can only be one winner. Um, May the best man win. Oh, is that offensive because it excluded women? Sorry. <laughs> best man, woman, or whatever. Did we just assume that they were all men and assume the gender? I believe at the last election. Oh, no. At the last election, there was one woman. Oh, right. Okay. Um, from the sea, Christian People's Alliance. Never, never heard of them, but... <laughs> Got 226 votes. Probably lost the deposit, I imagine, with that amount then. Well, probably, but they did actually gain support um, from the last one. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll win. (laughs) Maybe. I would like to thank everybody for listening to today's episode. We'll obviously try and get another episode out for next week. Uh, Obviously, continue to... Uh, download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and all that jazz. Share with your friends. You know, let's try and get some good viewing numbers. Well, listening numbers here. Um, you can follow the Let's Talk Politics uh, Facebook page, Twitter profile. Uh, you can follow uh, Emilio's Facebook page. Uh, you can follow me on every single social media platform. I'm on them all. Um, yeah, I'm on TikTok, YouTube. Oh, no, not TikTok. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, 
Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, all that. Um, I mean, he's my on main, everything. He's on everything. Main, I am. My main sort of platforms are uh, is Twitter, um, purely just because it's a lot easier. Well, I don't know why I find it easier. I just do. So, yes, thank you all for listening. Um, I've been Bailey Nashgarner, your host. And I've been Emilio Ray, your co-host. Thanks to Bailey for putting everything together. And we hope that you did enjoy listening to our interesting conversation.